talking about devotion and reclaiming devotion as a part of my life and more so basically as the foundation of my own life and I have this calling to communicate and speak and use my voice and words and part of that means doing stuff that I might not necessarily want to do I know that I have found and participated in, even in the spiritual marketplace, uh, with stuff that's like really focused on, you know, find your flow, find your bliss, only do what feels really good and feels really right and true in the moment and everything. And that's great. That's actually, that's a partial truth. And that's a really important partial truth, but on a calling, on a path of calling to heal. Um, we do stuff, we have to do stuff that isn't always what we want to do or what feels good. Sometimes it's just what's required and you just got to do what's required. And so for me, part of that is talking about my own history, my own experience with some really sordid stuff that I've mentioned in passing in the past. And I've also said that I would really like to be more creative and be inspired to talk about certain things or write about certain things and then therefore just be inspiring to anyone who happens to be impacted by what I'm sharing. And that's awesome. That's also a really important foundational truth. But I am, it's important that I speak from the life experience that I've had up to this point. And so being more speculative and creative is great, but I need to draw on this extensive life experience that I have. So that means that I have to find like a point of compromise and be able to integrate some of the stuff that's more creative, speculative, inspiring, but draw from my life experience. So here goes, all that to say, here goes, this is about devotion and it's something that isn't talked about all that much. I think it's become slightly more of a trend in the personal development and transformation industry as a topic, which is fantastic, but I don't know that as North American or just general Western people, we understand what devotion is, especially within our own context and the ways we've been raised and conditioned. So my personal experience with spiritual devotion, let's just sort of break it down to something a little bit narrower. Spiritual devotion, is something that I experienced a lot of as a little kid and as a teenager and as a very young adult. And I was involved heavily, I've mentioned before, in the more evangelical Christian church and aspects of like fundamentalist Christianity, which is not super awesome in some ways. (laughs) But this is about reclaiming devotion and reclaiming my natural inherent desire to be devoted. So when I was this little kid, I was hardcore devoted to my understanding of God and spirit at the time, which, you know, as a kid was more so other people's understanding. I was consuming and ingesting and integrating other people's understanding, but there was some more authentic stuff going on that was just my one-on-one experimentation and experience with God and spirit. So within all of that, I was 
super into elements of evangelical Christianity. I was into prophecy. Oh my God. <laughs> had, like I would sneak the books on. So I've mentioned this before in other episodes, like especially the one about COVID and there was one about um, religion and yeah. So end times prophecy is huge in fundamentalist and the evangelical Christian church. Even more so today, but like I've said in the past and other recordings, <laughs> like all the stuff that's being regurgitated and rebranded these days around cults and conspiracies is all stuff that I had access to as a really little kid. <laughs> and I was so into it. I was utterly devoted to reading these books about end times prophecy. But my favorite book about end times prophecy was the book of Revelation. I was obsessed with studying it. I had all these notes in the margin of my Bible. I had several Bibles. I was into like reading different interpretations and different translations and finding the books that were later on. This is later on when I was a little bit older. The books that weren't included in the Bible, the stuff that got booted to the side. Um, so I was really, and I would go to these conferences of my own free will. Here's the thing. I was super into this prophecy stuff. I was into fasting. I was a teenager. I was fasting so that I could connect with spirit and prayer. I was so into prayer. And so while other kids my age, like in middle, middle school and like freshmen in high school, into stuff that, you know, it's the same today. It's not that much different now. Um, into all that stuff, I, I was not involved in that stuff, what a normal kid would be into. I was alone in my room, fasting and praying and reading prophetic books. I was not the skeptical little kid who was giving side eye to the adults because I was so precociously smart. I was precociously smart, but I was lapping this stuff up. I didn't have that kind of skepticism that a lot of super smart kids have where they're just like, yeah, no, this doesn't make sense. I'm going to question this. I'm going to doubt this. I had elements of that for sure, especially around women's roles and patriarchal systems, stuff like that. Like I was really rebellious against that kind of a thing, but overall I was super devoted and that was weird amongst my own context, amongst other kids in my community, even in the church that I was in, at the level that I was so devoted to it, I had to kind of hide a bunch of it so that I wasn't being perceived as super weird and unstable, which was already sort of going on anyway, because I had other stuff going on um, with mental health and with my health. But if I had harped on that part of myself, and this is why my devotion was such a hidden thing and it could even be called like a little bit of a shameful thing, but, but I had to hide it because I knew that if I made a big deal out of it, I would be even more of an outcast than I already was. So kind of like a lot of that sticky, messy suppression of my true self started really early. 
as a kid, and I know people can relate to that across the board. I don't care who you are, you're going to relate to that. But what I really had going on at the deepest roots of it was this natural ability for devotion to spirit and to life. I also had a lot of stuff going on with feeling devoted to, but also hindered in how I could act on it because of my age and where I was in life. For environment, environmental causes, um, stuff like Greenpeace and uh, other environmental causes, I, I was really devoted to that as well. I just didn't know how to express it or experience it. So nowadays, of course, with much greater context and I can zoom out and see the threads of my path make more sense. It makes absolute sense now with this calling that's been unfolding and especially within South African traditions and in the, the unfolding of the learning that I've had with that. All this stuff that I had going on as a kid makes total sense, like a kind of sense that it's so perfect and so complex, like the threads of a tapestry that I could not have woven for myself. I could not have manipulated it. I could not have forced it to make the kind of sense that it does. It's a truly beautiful thing to observe where I am now, but growing up and at the time it was so scary and horrible and terrifying and painful and also in my reclaiming process, remembering the I don't want to use the word purity or pure, but that's a good word right now for this case. The purity and pureness of the devotion that I was experiencing is something that I've been working to reclaim and being honest about it rather than hiding it away as something really shameful. Um, and this brings me kind of like to a point that I can make for everyone, which is that most people, I don't want to say all, but most people are wired, inherently wired for devotion. We are all built to be devoted. If someone is unable to be devoted to something, there's usually an issue going on within them. I don't want to pathologize. I don't want to like get clinical. But otherwise, most people are built to be devoted to something or someone or someone's throughout their life. If this core spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional craving for devotion is impeded in some way, which it is all over the place all the time in our cultures, there's usually a big imbalance that will happen within that person and within their relationships to all of life, all their life relationships, not just to other people. So if their craving for devotion is directed towards something that's not truly beneficial for them and others, there's an imbalance that occurs. And this builds on my last topic, my last recording about golden shadow work. People will utterly devote themselves to other people's ideas other people's groups and the root of that can be found or seen in how they're projecting their own golden shadow their own divinity their own power their own gifts onto that person group or thing once that's been nurtured that devotion that is 
tangled up with projection and projecting their own divinity, once that's been really built up within a person, it's tough to get out of that, to get out of that path. And that's something that we can see everywhere at this point of people going down rabbit holes in that quote, red pill culture. A person or group told them the ultimate truth and now they belong to that truth and that truth is now their life path, their their beliefs and so therefore it's their identity. And in my reclamation process of going back to how natural it is for me to be devoted, I've had to really look at that within myself. All of my projecting of my golden shadow all of this devoting myself to other people's stuff without having my own direct life experience where I'm guided, authentically connected with spirit and guided by spirit by my own elevated ancestors on the path that's actually right for me. So since I know that everyone has this capacity for utter devotion and devotedness. Like, it's not a rare special thing. I'm talking about my experience as a little kid, but I don't think that that was some sort of special, extra, super chosen thing. That's a lot of horse pucky. This is, this is with, this is something that, that everyone is carrying within them. And I don't think we need to pathologize it. We don't need to call it dumb or superstitious or pointless or an evolutionary flaw that we now have to biohack. Rather than try to fix it. So we're looking at all these people and we've all got this devotion and we've been devoting ourselves to stuff that's actually not good for us or for others or just for the life of the planet. Rather than trying to fix that, we need to reclaim it as something that's utterly true of just being human and having the human experience. And in reclaiming it, we can actually become devoted to stuff that's much bigger than us. And in doing so, we're actually gonna, we're gonna be helping out. We're gonna be helping ourselves and we're gonna be helping everyone and everything else. So because we all seek to be devoted to something or someone in some way, the problems really arise when we give our devotion to stuff that's just self-serving. Or if it's serving someone outside of us who holds our power and we remain disempowered while sliding down slippery slopes into cults and cult mentalities, um, that's, that's where that sticking point is that we're at right now on a really enormous scale but devotion does not need to be pathologized it doesn't need to be rooted out doesn't need to be mocked doesn't need to be fixed or even healed it needs to be reclaimed for what it's actually inherent for what it's inbuilt for reclaimed and freed from all the ways our lives and our culture and experiences have warped it so I haven't really talked about what is devotion. What's my definition of devotion? I don't want to rely on anyone else's 
experience or definition, although I'm sure that they would probably be able to define it much better than I could. I'm actually better at defining what it's not based in my experiences. Devotion is a much bigger, much bigger felt experience within our bodies and our spirits and words are clunky. Trying to describe something like the enormity and awesomeness of human devotion is just going to be clunky coming out of my mouth. So because I'm sure that there have been other people who have described it described it much better than I could. Um, then I would say, you know, maybe go follow this thread deeper, go deeper into what devotion actually is in India and other Eastern traditions. Well, basically just in India um, or in the traditions that have grown out of India. It's sometimes called bhakti, bhakti devotion. Um, But what it's not, it's not emotional love. It's not an intellectual passion. It's not an intellectual or emotional commitment, in my experience. It's not a sense of purpose or even living a purpose. It's not a career. It's not a commitment or a discipline, although it can include all of those things I've just said it wasn't. It can include those things. But foundationally, in my experience, devotion is a surrender and a trust in the big thing in the biggest thing whether you call it god whether you call it nature whether you call it the cosmos whether you call it source evolution love it's not about the actions of devotion although that's always a part of it it's about this inner state of being that is devotedness it's an inner state of being And like I said, when we become devoted to stuff, people, ideas that are very limited, that are just a slice of truth, and then like you hone in on that slice of truth and that becomes the only truth. When that happens, when it becomes a limited thing, it becomes controlling. It's a control and devotion is not about control. Devotion is not at all about controlling And then in that, it's going to be based on our own projections, like I talked about in the Golden Shadow episode. When that happens, it's a short-circuiting of the expanding glory of true devotion. That's the thing about true devotion. It isn't limited. It isn't controlling. It is always expanding into this glorious awesomeness that is for all of life. You don't pick and choose what it's for. It's for all of life and spirit, which is like the same thing as I've said before. It is not a to-do list. When devotion becomes a to-do list, it so easily turns into addiction, into attachments, into those vicious cycles of projection, expectation, disappointment, fear, control, othering, us versus them, me versus you. Since it's not a to-do list, 
I guess I can say with some confidence, although I'm just a student, I'm just a child in this life, I always will be. It's an inner tending, an inner state of tending, of nurturing, of growing this garden, if I'm going to be super cheesy. <laughs> it is, that's, that's cheesy, but it's this inner tending and nurturing of a garden within yourself that is growing the eternal things of life. All the eternal things of life right here on this earth, in this time, in these contexts that we find ourselves within. There is no escapism. Devotion will not be based in escapism. You will be, if you are truly devoted, utterly here and now in this life on this planet. I'm sticking with that. If it's going to be fully embodied in any of us as grown-up adults who are rooted and grounded in reality rather than trying to look away from it, be delusional, or be escapist, it's going to be here and now in this life always. True devotion. So since we have all these people right now on this planet, millions, billions, whatever, with their natural inherent devotedness that they were born with, aimed at stuff that's not actually helping them or others, it's causing enormous and, yeah, insurmountable divisions, trauma, destruction. How do individuals who even care reclaim their devotion from the stuff that's not actually in service to life and not in service to where we are right now, looking down the barrel of multiple existential crises that are just getting warmed up. We have to, the individuals who are courageous and ready to reclaim their devotion and devotedness, they have to, we have to, I have to bring that devotion into alignment with service to life. Life right now. Not life in the future, not life in outer space. Life right now. Alignment with service to that life. I guess I could just make another point here real quick that what I found is the amazing thing about a life path that's ancestrally guided that I've been experiencing. If I'm being truly ancestrally guided and led, it's all about alignment with and reclaiming the inherent gifts of my lineages and my lifetimes. And I've mentioned before that Vedic astrology, which is called Jyotisha or Jyotish, is similar in some ways to this ancestral path that I'm on in that it shows a chart will show a person's soul and spirit's dharma. Dharma being their true way of being and living or right life. When someone is ancestrally guided and led in their life or guided by a tool like Jyotisha, anything else as well, I mean, it just depends on, on what somebody is, is seeking and finding and then in their seeking, it becomes their practice their everyday practice. If it intends for someone to align with authentic truth, with their true nature, which then informs their life and the actions they take, 
it will always be a life of service of some kind or another or multiple kinds of service but it will always involve service it will always always lead to an inner evolution that continuously grows into service of life that personal evolution will always result in this external evolution of their their life of service and it it's always going to be about something far far bigger than themselves as an individual this is when devotion is in its fullest potential when someone is devoted to both their own aligned path of dharma or their aligned path of being ancestrally led who they came here to be when they are being who they came here to be whatever that is however that is whoever that is and when that devotion is in service to something eternal and far greater than just their own stuff service to this planet to the existential threats that are headed this way and that are already here that's going to be an authentic state of inner devotion that's devotion I believe that devotion can be reclaimed and recalibrated towards aligning with a way of being and way of living that will use all of your inherent gifts. Living in a way that supports nature, other communities, honors the elders and wisdom keepers, and brings an inner balance and harmony. When that happens, there will be creative service of this planet of the times that we're in and will continue to be in more and more, worse and worse. Nurturing my own inner devotion to my path and to life and spirit and this planet at this time is how I am doomsday prepping. That's my doomsday prepping. This path I'm on is doomsday prepping at, at an ultimate level based in devotion. Devotion as doomsday prepping that's the title I'll use for this. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to stop here. There's more I can talk about. I have more notes. I, I, I've struggled so much with wondering how I or anyone can sell this to masses of people, make this seem interesting or sexy or consumable, how to dress this up and market this concept of true devotion. Um, it's not sexy. It's not trendy. I think there are elements of it, like in Tantra, which appeal. Um, but it's not going to go deep enough, and it's going to just leave people more at the surface of it. How to inspire people to want to go deeper, 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 when going deeper is always going to be super uncomfortable and even cause upheaval in someone's life. Um, I don't know how to, to sell that. It's like... It's like when you try, like when a doctor tries to sell a surgery to someone, really the only reason why someone is going to undergo surgery is because they know it's going to save their life or improve their life in some way. And they know it's going to be incredibly painful and terrifying and have all of these effects in their life that they can't control or plan for, like insurance costs and stuff like that. So if they're there with a doctor and the doctor's like, hey, this is going to suck for a minute, man. But if you can get through this, this surgery is, is going to bring you to a place in your life that you've never been to before. 
I guess if we try to sell it like that, like to go through some of the spiritual awakening that's authentic and doesn't just stop or stall at the more surface levels and layers, um, it's like you're going to just have to go through some of the surgical removal of the stuff that isn't true for you and it's going to be scary and painful. And your recovery time, it's an individual thing, but there could be a lot of recovery time needed. But if you can get, if you can get through some of this, it doesn't necessarily ever get easier, but it does get better. So these are my thoughts about devotion right now. Um, whether anyone listens to me or not ever, my ancestors are calling me to do this work of communicating this stuff to people. But more and more I've realized I don't necessarily need to try to figure out how to sell this in any way, shape, or form because what I have seen more and more, and this is so freaking great, some people's souls, their spirits, are ready. And hearing stuff like what I'm talking about is going to spark up within individuals their spirit is going to recognize and remember that this is truth and on some level they've been craving it people are craving this people are far deeper and more aware of their own souls dharma or path under all the layers that we're all carrying around of commercialization consumerism and conditioning I think it's it's going to be more and more that people are ready to be sparked in remembrance. Okay, that's enough for today. I'm going to just park my noise and go about my business. Thank you, as always, to anyone who has listened to this. I absolutely am so grateful. Okay, bye!